The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Missing Link podcast. I gave a presentation a few weeks ago, twice in one day, and one was to a UK-based organization, MSUK, and another one was to a support group. For both of these conversations, the main topic was neuroplasticity, and the feedback that I got blew my mind. First of all, I was warned specifically for the support group that it was a tough group and that a lot of the participants of the support group weren't really convinced that exercise could help you, and it took a lot for them to believe you. And so... I decided I was up for the challenge and I love talking about neuroplasticity in the very beginning of the year because I feel like it can provide that inspiration that you need, that kick in the butt to get exercising. So for these two webinars that I did, MSUK and the support group, some of the attendees already knew what neuroplasticity was, while others had no idea. And this was their first time learning about it. But what was really cool was that everyone on both of these calls seemed to have light bulb moments while I was talking to them about this education on neuroplasticity. And like it just clicked for them that exercise actually can help them towards their goals of walking better, improving their day-to-day mobility, et cetera. So the feedback that I got on the call at the end, as well as via emails all week, was how inspired they felt to actually exercise, and they were excited and motivated to exercise. So I decided that for today's podcast episode, I wanted to educate you on neuroplasticity, but in addition to that, I want to share research in specifically multiple sclerosis that explains how neuroplasticity actually affects the brain as shown on MRIs. So before we get to neuroplasticity, there's something that I want to tell you about. When I ask my clients, what do you think needs to happen in order for a muscle to move? Nine times out of 10, what they tell me is, well, I have to flex my muscle. And that's a very common answer, but it's so much more than that. And it's really important to understand this before we even get to the concept of neuroplasticity. So what I want you to understand here is that in order for a muscle to move, and this can be any muscle, it could be lifting up your ankle to prevent foot drop, or it could be bringing your knee up towards the ceiling so you can lift your leg and march, or it could be bending your knee. It could be anything. In order for that muscle to move, there's two things that need to happen before you even flex your muscle. The first thing that needs to happen is your brain needs to understand what you want to do. 
So your brain needs to say, hey, Dr. Gretchen, I want to bend my knee. And then the second thing that needs to happen is your brain needs to send that message down several neural pathways down to your knee. And then the third thing that happens is then your knee bends. Your knee will not bend if your brain doesn't have the thought to bend or if the neural pathways aren't working. Now, the only other situation that this could work in is if it's a reflex. So you might not have actively thought Dr. Gretchen, bend your knee, but maybe I stepped on something sharp and it was a reflex to bend my knee. But either way, the sequence has to start from your brain, either an active thought or a reflex. And then you need to have that message travel down neural pathways to get to the muscle. Then once it gets to the muscle, then it needs to flex. So it's a three-part sequence, and a lot of people forget about the first two parts. And so when they're focusing on strengthening a muscle, they're just purely focusing on the movement piece, the flexing piece. And that's one strategy. However, when you have MS, as you likely know, this, the part of the sequence that tends to affect you most is that middle part. So the brain is the first part, that's usually okay. It's You usually are able to have the thought of bend my knee or lift my ankle or bend my hip. But the second part of the neural pathway, that's where the breakdown is in multiple sclerosis. So even though you're telling yourself, bend my knee, if your neural pathways aren't strong enough, if they're not coated by myelin, if they're not working to get all the way to the muscle, then the muscle can't flex. So this is a situation, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, where you'll say, bend my knee, bend my knee, you can do it, bend my knee, but it just doesn't bend. The breakdown, it's not necessarily at the muscle part. It's not that third part of the sequence. It's the second part with that neural pathway. So this is where neuroplasticity comes into play. Neuroplasticity is the ability of your brain to get that neural pathway working. And there's two ways that this can work. Way number one is it will strengthen the pathways that already exist. So for example, I'm gonna stick with the example of bending your knee. So if you're telling yourself, bend my knee, and you can, meaning your brain had the thought of bend your knee, and then your neural pathways are working, they, they are getting down to your knee, and then your third, your muscles are actually flexing, but, maybe it's not as much movement as what you would consider normal, or it's really hard or really heavy to bend your knee. So that means that all three sequences are working, but that neural pathway is just not strong enough to produce a strong force where you bend your knee and it bends all the way easily. So neuroplasticity has the opportunity to strengthen that neural pathway that already exists. However, the cool thing is that neuroplasticity also has the ability to find new neural pathways, meaning if you're the type of person where you say, bend my knee and nothing happens, it doesn't move at all, then what that means is that your neural pathway isn't working for whatever reason, it's due to the demyelination, maybe it's getting close to the muscle, but not all the way. Or maybe that neural pathway isn't working at all. Regardless, what your brain does 
is it tries to find a new neural pathway. So every time you attempt to bend your knee, your brain is going to try to find a new way from your brain to your knee, from point A to point B. There's probably trillions of different ways to get from point A to point B via neural pathways. And the only way to find one that works is by repetition, by practicing over and over and over again. And uh, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because what a lot of people tell me when we start working together, a lot of my clients with MS, I'll have them do a movement. I'll stick with the same example. I'll say, bend your knee. I wanna see what that looks like. And if there's no movement at all, nine times out of 10, what the client will tell me is, oh, my knee doesn't move. What's the next exercise? You know, this exercise isn't worth it. I can't do it. What's next? When in reality, in order to actually get your knee to move, to find a new neural pathway or to strengthen that neural pathway that's there, you have to practice that over and over and over again. So it's really important to understand that sequence of brain, neural pathway, and then your muscles flex. And then we have to do everything we can in our power to help that neural pathway. Because without that, your muscle will not move. But if you have demyelination from MS and if you have neural pathways that aren't working, that's not the end of the game for you. That doesn't mean that you can't get stronger. You have to practice the exercises over and over and over again. One thing about neuroplasticity that we don't know yet is how long it takes. You know, there's no protocol for neuroplasticity. There's nothing that says practice bending your knee in this way 10 times, three sets for six weeks. And then at that point, you'll start to notice a difference. How amazing would that be? Everyone would stick to that protocol, I bet. But there isn't anything like that. I've had some clients who will do these repetitions over and over and over again. And truly within a few days, they will notice their knee bending better. Or other clients where within three months, they'll notice improvements in bending their knee. Other clients, it's six months. Other clients, it's a year. And so that can be really discouraging. I think that's an important piece of this to bring up because you need to be resilient. And I know that's easier said than done, but you can improve these neural pathways. Your brain can find a brand new neural pathway if it needs to, but it might take consistently doing that movement or multiple movements for a year or a year and a half without seeing results. So it's really important that you don't associate movement with success. When we grow up, a lot of what we do with exercise is movement-based. You know, you'll do a bicep curl and maybe you're even holding a five pound weight or a 10 pound weight. And you think success is when you get your hand all the way up to your shoulder and then you can lower it down because your arm is moving fully through that motion. However, even if your arm doesn't move, if you're still actively trying to bend your elbow, you're still getting that neural pathway. It doesn't feel like success because you don't see the movement, but you're still firing that neural pathway. Your elbow just isn't bending. And I think if we can tweak our mindset with success being repetition of good quality versus success being movement, it's easier to stay consistent over the long haul. 
because you won't feel like a failure. You're not going to feel like you're not doing it correctly just because there's no movement associated with the action that you're doing. So I could talk about that for hours. Moving on to the second thing that I wanted to share with you is that there is a protein that is released in our brain, everyone's brain, not just people with multiple sclerosis, but everyone. And this protein is called the brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It is abbreviated, abbreviated to BDNF. And this protein is released in the brain when we exercise, and it supports the survival of existing neurons and neural pathways. And it also encourages growth of new neurons and new neural pathways. So basically, it boils down to this BDNF protein supporting neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity can work on its own, but it works even better with BDNF, with this protein that's released. Also, side note, BDNF has also been associated with some cognitive improvement and can alleviate depression and anxiety. So a lot of people might wonder, well, how do I get BDNF? How do I get that to be released in my body? And the answer is through at least 20 minutes of exercises it, and also low to moderate intensity levels. So don't feel like you need to exercise for an hour in order to get BDNF released or that you need to exercise until you're sweating. That is not the case at all. 20 minutes and low to moderate intensity levels. This is enough to release that protein as well as reduce the body's inflammatory response. So not only can neuroplasticity work for us, but we also can use this protein to help it along, to ideally improve neuroplasticity and those neural pathways even quicker. And the last thing that I wanna share with you is research shown via MRIs. And the reason I want to share this is because sometimes, especially if this is your first time hearing this, neuroplasticity can seem too good to be true, especially for people who haven't been exercising because they feel like their MS has progressed too much, or they've gone too long without exercising, or their muscles aren't working anymore. Why exercise? But neuroplasticity can happen for anyone on any level of disability as well as anyone with any time frame of having MS, whether you've had MS for five years or 40 years. And I know that can sound too good to be true. So I just wanted to share these three points of research that have stuck out to me when looking up neuroplasticity specifically in the MS population. And what they found, there's several, several studies that have compared people with multiple sclerosis who exercise consistently compared to people with multiple sclerosis who do not exercise consistently. And across the board, the group that exercises consistently was called the physically fit group. Now, again, I don't want you to think that this group is runners or you know, people who are exercising intensely. It's just people exercising consistently. So there's lots of studies on these comparing these two different groups. And what they did was they looked at MRIs. And what the MRIs showed was that the physically fit group had less damage in the parts of their brain that had deterioration. The MRIs also showed that the physically fit participants had improved recovery after an MS attack or relapse. And thirdly, that the physically fit group based on their MRIs had reduced long-term disability. 
I just loved this research because I think it's so empowering. Not only can you actually improve your strength, your balance, your mobility through neuroplasticity, but MRIs actually show a difference from those who stay physically fit, who are physically active, even just in their home with seated exercise. This doesn't need to mean that you have to go outside and go for a walk or a run or anything intense like that. So research shows through MRIs that people who stay physically fit and exercise consistently actually do have better brain results, brain MRIs. So I hope that all of this education is something that can motivate you and empower you and maybe even make you excited to exercise because it can make a difference. And of course, there are specifics on which exercises to do. They should be functional exercise and exercises specifically based on your goals. If you're interested, that's exactly what my online MS wellness program is about, The Missing Link. I'll, of course, put that link in the show notes of this podcast episode if you want to watch a behind-the-scenes video and see what it's all about. But this is the basic fundamental information that I feel everyone with MS must know because knowing and believing in this information can help you exercise for longer. It can help you stay resilient and stay on track and consistent. And as we all know, if you don't stay consistent, then what you're doing won't yield long-term results. So you have to know what exercises to do, but then more importantly, do it consistently, knowing that even if there's no movement with some of these exercises, your brain is trying to find a pathway every single repetition that you do. I like to think of a lot of my MS-specific exercises as brain exercises, especially when you don't see a movement. I remind all of my clients, if you're trying to do a movement, let's just say if you're trying to lift your toes up to strengthen the muscles to reduce foot drop, and you're trying so hard to do it and it's just not moving, that's okay. Think of it as a brain exercise. Of course, in an ideal world, we'd have some movement in the ankle, but even if there's no movement there, just picture you doing that movement as strengthening your brain to your ankle, strengthening that neural pathway, or finding a new neural pathway. Use some mental imagery as you're doing these exercises and envision your brain getting the exercise, those neural pathways getting the exercise. Eventually, the ankle should lift a little bit and then a little bit higher and a little bit higher. It will get stronger with movement. But until movement exists, don't give up. It, imagine your brain and those neural pathways getting their exercise in. They need exercise just as much as the muscle. I hope this episode provides you with some motivation and excitement and encouragement. If there is anything that you want to hear specifically on a podcast episode, please let me know. You can either send me an email, Gretchen at drgretchenholly.com. You can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of the social media platforms. You can find all those links in the show notes as well. But until next time, I hope you have a great day and get moving. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. 
If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you love this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.